Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Ryan, a veterinarian and a veterinary behavior residency graduate. And I'm Dr. Serena. I am also a veterinarian and a veterinary behavior resident. So our last conversation was about resource guarding and we talked about Dobermans and whether there was a genetic uh, link to that. And there was another comment on that video and it was about what are your thoughts on neutering of a three-year-old stranger danger, fearful American bulldog that currently has no negative behaviors associated with being intact. So what are your thoughts, Dr. Orion? Yeah, so that's also a huge one, I would say. I think I even got into trouble for, uh, for saying something in my clinic that was kind of different from what the other veterinarians that work there uh, are mm -hmm. used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... So I will I will tell it as a story, basically. Yes, tell us. Now, tell by us. the way, it's now it's, I'm like, <laughs> damn, like <laughs> give me the person. <laughs> so basically, I I just started working at that place. It's uh, an older clinic, I would say. The owner, I think, is the owner <clears throat> for like the past twenty, maybe thirty years, something like that. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a great veterinarian and he has really great clients. I really enjoy working there, but you know, kind of like, I guess a student that just finished vet school might not, might know more about some topics than I do, because although I do try to do continuous education as much as possible, I might not be exposed to, you know, all the professors and specialists that teach veterinary students. And me and you both have a lot of, not just experience, but also that exposure to the behavior research that keeps coming out, like specific right. topics or topics that we know that we're gonna be asked a lot on, like exactly this question that we got uh, in the comments. Right. So. I've been working there for, I think, maybe a month. And I, to begin with, I don't look, I'm going to give the recommendations according to what I believe in and what I know is true is if there's like, you know, issues with what I'm saying and what you're saying, then of course we can discuss it and, and see what we can do. But I was actually asked by one of the clients that had a female dog, when should she spay her dog? Uh, and before I continue, so Dr. Serena, what I'm sure you also know, because that's probably something that you were also taught when you were in vet school. What did they used to say? Like what was the best time to spay a female dog? So the best time, this is according to my school, we were taught um, by a board certified veterinary surgeon mm -hmm. that we should spay female dogs prior to their first heat. Right. So, so that's, that's what I would say probably 99% of veterinary students learn me too. And again, it's, it's a specialist that said it and all of it, or most of it is actually based not on too many studies. 
And yes. it's true that they did see that spaying a dog before the first hit, so usually it's like before six months of age, they did see that it reduced the frequency or the chance of getting memory cancer by a lot. That's, that's true. I'm not, as far as we know, I'm not saying that it's not true. But the thing is that nowadays we actually have other studies and newer studies keep coming out both regarding behavior and regarding health that by spaying or neutering at an early age, we might actually increase the frequencies of other issues. So we talked about cancer, memory cancer in females, but if it's a golden retriever or maybe probably different other big breed dogs, then we might actually increase issues with other types of cancer or with joint issues. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was asked that question by the owners and I said, yeah, I think you should wait for the first hit and then do it between the first and second hit. Then we still get most of the benefits kind of like combating the memory cancer, but uh, we also gain more time for the dog's body to, to develop and body and brain, everything. Well, the brain is part of the body, but everything to kind of develop more and hopefully to gain more of the benefits. And they, of course, kind of got upset. And, and by the way, I did tell the clients, it's, it's important to know, I did tell the clients that even in our clinic, you might hear different recommendations regarding it. So yeah. I didn't lie. I didn't say, no, this is the only truth. There are no other truths. I did Absolutely. say that other uh, client, other doctors will say something different. And they actually did come back with the puppy uh, sometime later. And the other veterinarian said, yeah, you should do it before six months. And they got kind of like confused and said, yeah. but the other veterinarian said to wait until the first hit. So of course they kind of like called me and said, no, we need to be on the same page and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Maybe even a little bit upset and said, don't worry, let's, let's all be on the same page. And I sent them all a lot of uh, scientific papers and reviews and, uh, you know, a lot of resources to show what I'm saying. So it kind of brings us back to the original question after all of this uh, very long uh, uh, story, what would be the best age to spay or to neuter and what, and should we even do it? I mean, what would be the, the effect on the behavior? And there's definitely an effect on behavior. Right. So I don't know if you can read between the lines, you might already know my answer, but maybe you want to say what you think first, and then we'll see if we're also on the yeah. same page or? So we're on the same page when it comes to spaying a female. I still want to reduce their risk of mammary carcinoma, breast cancer, mammary tumors. Uh, so I do say like, hey, we can let this dog have exposure to some estrogen, testosterone to uh, get them to be closer to closing their um their growth plates mm -hmm. uh, to help reduce their risk of, say, cruciate tear. 
But at the same time, if we wait until the second heat, that increases their risk with mammary carcinoma. Right. It ends up being a long discussion with the clients because if you if you work in shelter medicine, you're going to be sitting there, get them done as early as possible. And for instance, my puppy Cola, she was spayed at nine weeks. Mm -hmm. Wow! And so nine yes, weeks is really early. Nine weeks, wow! And the reason for that is that puppies are easier to adopt out. Okay. And they want to ensure that all of the rescues get spayed and neutered. Oh, they so, don't want to risk the owners not actually spaying later on and having exactly. more puppies coming to the shelter. So they say, let's just do it at nine weeks and get it over with. Exactly. Mm. But my fear is like, oh, what did that do to her growth plates? Right. Does that mean that it increases her chance of a cruciate tear? And do you mind if I share this paper just because yeah, go ahead. other people might want to see it? Let's see if Let's it lets you. Let's see if it does. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see that so, something is appearing here at two stage. Here we go. So I don't know if you're familiar with this one. And maybe this is one of the ones that you shared yeah, that's, with your... Yeah, one of the, those that I actually sent them. Yeah. So this is on 35 different breeds. There's another one. Oops. There's another one on mixed breeds, but it essentially talks about joint disorders, types of cancers, and urinary incontinence. And I have to say that I'm already seeing some evidence of urinary incontinence in Kola. Oh. So she kind of dribbles occasionally. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not horrible. It's not life-threatening. But when we talk about life-threatening diseases, so... This here is talks about um, so it talks about lymphoma, hemangiosarcoma, mast cell tumors, and osteosarcoma. Yeah, and it might be increased in certain breeds. So depending mm -hmm. on the breed, so I don't. Yeah, it does seem like bigger breeds are more prone to having those uh, issues, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so specifically to the, because the question was about American Bulldogs, they're yeah. not on this list. So unfortunately, we wouldn't be able to say specifically like, hey, look at this, but yeah, I'm just going to stop sharing this one for now. Mm -hmm. I have to find where, where is yep. it here? Are we back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the paper that I, reviewed and looked at to say, hey, it's not so cut and dry. Mm -hmm. So there's the aspect of behavior. Let's say, for instance, you have a line of dogs that are genetically predisposed to being more aggressive. Let's just say that we have that. You are more likely to reduce aggression if you neuter them before they start to show signs of aggression. So that brings us to, uh, I'm not sure if it was in this paper or if it was, well, actually it was in, in several papers. I don't think it's that paper about, no, about okay. aggression. So, there are, another there are several papers. Uh, sadly, I, di I, I didn't come prepared. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you could quickly I mean, I can, look it up. <laughs> if I'll have the time, I, I'm going to link it in the 
the description of this video so people can uh, can read one of them or, or you know but even if you google let's say you go on uh, google scholars or on pubmed which are kind of like uh, i guess the biggest uh, search engines for scientific papers and you search something like uh, dog behavior and neutering or something like that you should find most of these papers very easily and more and more of these are coming out some of them or may, many of them are kind of like a statistical uh, studies so they kind of like look at a very big population of dogs and uh, all kinds of like different traits or, or uh, breeds or, or uh, um, are they spayed and neutered or they're intact and, and what kind of behavior problems they're showing. And we actually see that in many of these studies, the dogs that were neutered or were spayed were actually more likely to be aggressive or were more likely to have a noise phobia, if I remember correctly. Um, and anxiety issues and all kinds of other behavioral problems where uh, we see, statistically speaking, we see it more in those dogs that were neuter or spayed. And then comes the question, should we spay or neuter a dog that's not actually showing aggression? But you know what? Even if the dog is showing aggression, should we? Will it actually help? And... <laughs> I would say that we still don't know enough to be, you know, to be sure and 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 say uh, yes, you should or shouldn't. But mm -hmm. I will say that because it's so unclear and because it sounds like it can go either way, it can actually make the dog worse than than he was before or the, mm -hmm. uh, that she was before. Then you should think about it a lot before before the, making the decision there are countries uh, in uh, mostly in europe that it's not that common to spay and neuter dogs they don't have the problems that we have here in the united states and uh, as far as i know in canada as well that they're like the shelters are sometimes full of dogs and, and there's so many you know strays and dogs that were relinquished and they don't have a home and that's why kind of like 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 you explained the shelter would wanna spay them at a very 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 early age to prevent it from from ever happening but yeah. those countries that don't really spay in neuter because i guess they're just uh i don't know the people there are better at uh, keeping their dogs their spayed and intact dogs at home and not roaming and and accidentally breeding with our dogs we don't really see that they have more issues with aggression and we don't see that they have less issues with aggression. So again, if I kind of like look at all of the information that we have right now, it doesn't seem like neutering and spaying would definitely reduce the behavior, like an aggressive behavior or any other behavioral problems. And we have some evidence that it in many cases might actually make it worse. So when people, and you said like going into discussion about it and things like that with the, with the owners in a shelter, it's kind of like might take a long time, then, then yes, this is a very 
big one. And me personally, I used to recommend to everyone, neuter and spay your dog like right away to prevent those <laughs> problems. Nowadays, I don't. Nowadays, yeah. I say, like medical-wise, it looks like we should probably do it between the first and the second heat in females. And probably after the dog, like a male dog finished his, um, uh, you know, uh, fully matured physically. So I don't know, around a year, a year and a half uh, yeah. or something like that. Behavior wise, it's even more complicated. And it's yeah. like, no, it can go both ways. Yeah. So for this particular individual who has a male intact dog who's not showing any problem behaviors related to being intact. So problem behaviors for an intact male would be roaming, um, urine marking, uh, excessive mounting, um, uh, uh, those kinds of problem behaviors related to being intact. Right, and, uh, and probably aggression around females that are intact so it can be potentially potentially yeah dogs yeah yeah um if they're not showing any behavior signs there's still medical reasons to mm -hmm. neuter i personally would wait like you said wait until they're fully grown uh, their growth plates are closed so for instance you're waiting 18 months for one of the giant breeds uh, 18 months to two years so this dog's three years and from a medical perspective, there are benefits to castration. There are risks, of course. The difference between this particular individual and, say, one that's emotionally stable. So this one's fearful, has some stranger danger. It's something called single event learning. You take a stranger danger, fearful dog, and you take it to the vet and it spends the entire day there. That is going to be more detrimental emotionally to that dog than leaving it intact. Right, and and many many people will say this this complaint that the the dog was fine until they took him to the vet for surgery. Then his behavior changed, and yeah. maybe his behavior didn't change because of the actual changes in hormones because they don't happen that fast. They don't happen the day of the surgery. But because exactly like like you mentioned that this specific event, that single event, had that detrimental effect. Yeah. So my recommendation for those ones, and we talked about it in the previous uh, uh, episode, is using pre-visit pharmaceuticals prior to them coming into the hospital for their spay and neuter. So I use both gabapentin and trazodone as a combination. You get a little bit of pain control with the gabapentin and a little bit of anxiolysis and sedative with the trazodone. And you can also reduce your gas anesthetic. If you sure. use a pre-visit pharmaceutical prior to your surgery and the gas anesthetic is the risky part. So if you can reduce your gas anesthetic by giving a pre-visit pharmaceutical, why wouldn't you? You know, gabapentin to begin with is a crazy safe medication. That's why, you know, we had that uh, discussion about the using this crazy high 
uh, doses like uh, 200 milligrams per, per a kilogram of a dog uh, and not the 20 or 30 that most veterinarians will use. So like 10 times right. more. So it has a very, very wide range and, and people shouldn't be afraid to use it. And it's also used in uh, dogs and cats with kidney and liver issues and seems to be uh, pretty safe for those situations. And as you said, it has the... Uh, anti-pain properties it has the uh, anxiolytics so why not and trazodone is also very safe so you know a combination of these th uh, these medications i know that sometimes i would actually even use clonidine uh, but if we do use clonidine then we need to remember that for the sedation because many times we'll actually use uh, dometer which is from the same family. Yeah, uh, dexmedetomidine. Uh, so, yes. Uh, so, you know, the, if I prescribed it, but they're going to go to somewhere else, prescribe it as a, as a behaviorist, but they're going to yeah. go to a different veterinarian for the surgery, which is usually the case because my behavior patients, I only do behavior. Yeah. Uh, but I always tell them, tell your primary veterinarian what pre-appointment uh, pharmaceuticals you're using. Yes. And people like if in general, if people want to learn, I am uh, also going to put a link for that uh, down below, but uh, the fearfreepets.com, it's a great, I think that's the one, maybe they have one for like staff and one for the public. So I'll try and figure out which one is which, but they do <laughs> have a lot of resources on basically making that the appointment and the surgery and everything as fun as it possibly can <laughs> as fun as it can yeah yeah um i used to work at a practice where we did uh serenia prior to as well mm -hmm. so uh serenia or meropotent has some anti-inflammatory properties and if you have a pet who gets car sick Yes. Maybe that's something, let's say, for instance, you're preparing to take your dog in for their, their spay or their neuter, and they get car sick, and here they go into the car. Now they're nauseous. Now mm -hmm. they're at the vet, and now they're being poked and prodded, things stuck up their butt, and they're not going to be very happy with that. Nope. So if you do have a pet that gets car sick, having some meropotent prior to might be beneficial both for the car sickness but also as an anti-inflammatory as well so exactly. something to think about for our pet owners that are watching yeah no that, that's that's a great advice because as a, it's an anti-inflammatory it's an it's prescribed for or labeled for nausea for car sickness in the us as far as i remember yeah i think it's just basically for car sickness but it's not only the, the car ride itself, right? I mean, we it, they actually benefit from it when they're waking up from the sedation because sometimes the anesthesia itself can cause them to wake up nauseous. So if yeah. we can get them to eat as soon as possible after the procedure, I mean, not as soon as possible when it's safe, yeah. <laughs> but uh, something like that, then again, they have a better experience. They don't wake up feeling sick to their gut. And yeah. so, yes, yeah, so it's definitely a good idea. So uh, there's all sorts of things to prepare if you are taking your pet in for a spay or neuter procedure, not, not just 
um, from the fear aspect, but even just um, part of the medical procedure. I mean, if you're still using hydromorphone as your your um, pre-med pre-med in your uh, prior to your your anesthesia, hydromorphone yeah. causes nausea as well. So right. that's another thing that uh, can be beneficial um, for these pets as well. Yeah, and we now even have studies of using uh, mirtazapine, you know, mirtaz, mm -hmm. or you know any of those uh, appetite stimulants as well. Uh, after procedures to get to kind of like try and get the the patient to eat as soon as possible uh, so you know you can use it safely even with anti-anxiety medications because we know that sometimes things like Prozac like fluoxetine and, and sadly some of the other medications as well can actually cause some nausea as a side effect and we want our patients to feel happy we don't want to cause any negative effects and then <laughs> using something like uh, anti-nausea medication or something to kind of like make them eat a little bit more and and like be happy basically because they want to eat then they eat this is also kind of rewarding and they feel better it helps with the entire treatment and usually they not, don't need to continue getting those uh, medications for the rest of their lives yeah yeah so po post-operatively, because a lot of these dogs, when they go for their surgery, they are still bouncing as if they never had surgery the next yeah. day. So yeah. sometimes I will prescribe gabapentin just for that. Some K-dress. To is kind of like calm them down. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's come up from the basement. Mm -hmm. And she's being a cat, showing us her butt. Yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> that's good. That's good. That shows that we're actually veterinarians that that have pets, and it's just not like we know what we're saying. We're living it. Yeah, I have I have a household with a puppy and um, two cats that don't get along. One cat has redirected aggression, so yeah. we have lots to talk about. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, a lot of experiences to share. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's probably it for this topic. Yeah. Unless you have I anything else to add. I hope we didn't confuse people too much because we didn't have, you know, at least medically we do have an answer. Behaviorally, I mean, at least me personally, I, I said it's kind of like more complicated. I still recommend doing it, but people are like, people need to know the pros and cons. I want to be on TV. Yeah, she wants to she wants to walk across the laptop. That's a typical cat thing. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, like every time, let us know uh, if you agree with us or you don't agree with us, or if uh, you have more questions about this topic or any other topic that you would like us to discuss. Yeah, I, I hope we did answer these questions that didn't confuse you too much, but it is a confusing uh, question. It is. And yeah, I think that's it. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.